afternoon. This is Larry Budd here for Liz Green on the big Yorkshire phone-in. And Tuesday afternoon is your chance to put your questions to one of our very many experts here at BBC Radio Leeds. And today you have got our tech expert, John Popham, to answer your questions. Afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Larry. Uh, an uneventful trip over from Huddersfield this afternoon. Glad to hear it. You you live tweet quite a lot of what you, uh, a lot of your movements, uh, as in your geographical movements, not the other ones. That'll be awful. Uh, but you were, when you said you were getting on a train in Huddersfield, I thought, oh, I'm, I hope this all goes to plan. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll see you live tweeting the fact that you're not going to turn up in time. But uh, but here you are. And ready to take any questions at all about tech? Is anything well, I'll off ta- limits? I'll take, the, I'll take them, whether I can answer them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the questions are easy. It's the mm. answers that are tricky, isn't it? Um, we will, we'll start with a message from Johnny, because um, he's got a question about Macs and Windows machines. So... Um, Johnny is wanting to do some video editing. All my friends keep beseeching me to buy a Mac and not a Windows machine. Why are they doing that? And is it really worth the extra money to buy a Mac? Mm. I think certainly historically in the past it definitely was. Um, I mean, Macs were sort of developed uh, around creativity and doing creative things. And they've got all sorts of tools built into them that are around things like video editing, audio editing, stuff like that. Yeah. I found, um, right, so cards on the table. I, I was a Mac user for a long time, and then my MacBook Pro died. Yeah. And I couldn't afford to replace it, so I ended up having to replace it with a cheaper Windows computer. And I'm getting on fine with it. Okay. Um, I think Windows has come on a lot in recent years, and there's a lot more software available on Windows now that will do the right thing. So I think it all depends. I mean, you know, it's, it's horses for courses. I would say if you're struggling to find the extra money to buy a Mac, then try and buy the most uh, the most um, appropriate Windows machine you can get because I don't think there's a lot of difference these days. Right, okay. And in terms of processor power and speed and all that kind of thing, is Windows up to it now? I mean, I, I, this is a personal experience of mine, but I remember years ago trying to do music production on a Windows machine and really struggled. I think I wasted about two years of my life just trying to get the thing to work, never mind <laughs> to do the th- job I wanted it to do. And then I moved over to Mac and haven't had a problem since. But um, it, nowadays you're saying that the, the processing power is there to deal with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not not at the cheaper end, but um, you know, if you, certainly from the mid-range upwards, um, most Windows machines have got enough power to do that kind of thing. Yeah. What kind of money are you looking at if, you, if you're doing video editing? On a, on a Windows machine, where should you be start? Roughly, um, don't expect you to I'd know. I'd say four, four hundred, four hundred, five hundred, something like that. You'll okay. get a pretty good machine. Or I tend to, I tend to buy most of my equipment second hand, and uh, I managed to get, I managed to pick up a Windows machine for a hundred quid because it didn't have a hard drive in it, and I just chucked a hard drive in it, and I've got wow. a pretty good computer for a hundred quid. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's the benefit of knowing what you're doing. I think, <laughs> John. Uh, Johnny's here to take your questions. Anything about tech? Eight one triple three. Start your message with the word leads. You can call oh eight hundred three eight nine double three double three. That is our free phone number. Uh, I noticed you tweeting earlier on about a story that's made the news today about scooters with electric motors being potentially legalised on Britain's roads. What was it about that story that caught your eye? Um, I suppose partly because I very much tuned into the green agenda and I think that things that, um, you know, A, that get people out of cars and doing other things are a good thing and and B, that um, I'm I'm particularly interested in how we declutter our city centres from cars. So that's one of the things that I'm interested in. Um, but I thought it was interesting because I think electric scooters, they are legal in quite a lot of countries, um, but they're just not this country yet. Um, and I think um, 
certainly it appears that the UK government is thinking about making them legal here. So that'll be interesting one to watch, I think. And these, they're, we're not, they're, they're not the mobility scooters, are they? The, these no. are, they're like scooters that kids have in, in yeah. skate parks and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, kind of things. But yeah. they're, they're, what, they're battery powered or something? Yeah, um, I think, it, I think you, you can recharge them. Um, yeah. I think the, the thing is that um, they can go quite quick. And I think, I think the debate now is whether or not you put regulators on them and slow them down and that kind of thing. Cause, right, OK. You know, obviously, they can be quite dangerous if, uh, if they're going very quick. Yeah, because and I guess there's no protection for the person using it. They're just sort of standing on it and with a uh, one would hope wearing a helmet yeah. if they're going to be on a, on well, the road. Yes, yeah. you'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, our number is oh eight hundred three eight nine double three double three. Get your calls in now, or you can text eight one triple three and start your message with the word leads. John Popham is our tech expert and is here to take your questions. Um, John, would, I just want to talk to you about live video streaming in uh, lieu of the New Zealand terror attacks uh, very soon indeed. But uh, we'll take a piece of music first of all. Uh, Sam Smith and Normani, this is Dancing with a Stranger on BBC Radio Leeds. And John Popham is here uh, to take any of your questions on tech if you've got any particular questions that you need answering. Um, as John just mentioned a few moments ago, it's not the questions that are difficult, it's the answers that can be tricky sometimes. Um, and I wonder if this falls into that category. This is from Dave on the text. Dave says, I've got a question about Windows 10 and a file called hideafile.sys. H-I-D-E-R-F-I-L-E dot S-Y-S. It is a three gigabit file. It won't be defragmented and is slowing the hard disk down. How do I get rid of it? I mean, I understood about 60% of that text message. I'm hoping you picked up more. Uh, yeah, this might be one of those questions I can't answer, but mm. it sounds self-explanatory, really, what is <laughs> from the name. But why it would be three gigabyte? I don't know. Um, the, the problem is, if it's a .sys file, that means it's part of the system. Um, and I would be very wary about just deleting it, which is yeah. might be my first um, knee-jerk reaction to that. I think Google is your friend in this this option. Yes. I, it's not something I've come across, and I wouldn't want to give you advice that uh, might lead you down uh, the wrong road here. So um, just be careful, I think. Um, if it's three gigabyte, then it obviously it, it's obviously taking up quite a bit of storage space. So... Um, I would Google it and see what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dave's saying it's slowing the hard disk down. How would he know that? Is there a way of, like, this is general advice for somebody who is using their Windows computer at home today and wondering why it's a bit slow or or for whatever reason. Is there something you can look at to figure out what it is that's slowing you down? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you go into the, um, the Windows registry, um, you can see what um, is using the most processing power, it all depends on how big your hard drive is, um, yeah. and, and, and you know, and how, what else you've got on it. I mean, I would have thought these days hard drives tend to be, well, hundreds, if not thousands, of gigabytes. Um, and I thought three gigabyte in itself won't necessarily slow something down. So it's just in case of whether he's got a lot of else, a lot of other things on the disk, and um, yeah, and that. But as I said, I'd be a bit wary about tampering with it because if it's a .sys file, then it will it does sound like it's part of the Windows system. Or it could always be something that's got on there due to a virus, and, and that's something else you need to. That, which is why I would Google it and just find out if anybody else has had a problem with it. I just did a quick Google for you, Dave. I cannot find anything referring anywhere to hide a file. Dot uh, sys. It looks like there's something similar called hyperfill, uh, which is to do with when your PC goes into hibernation. 
Mm. Um, anyway, have a look online there and see what else you can find. Mm. Um, this is from Andy in Meanwood, who says, have you got any advice on buying a new laptop? I'll be using it for everyday use, responding to emails, researching online, downloading files. There's some options on the market to get a basic laptop for around £180. But it's going really cheap, a bad idea. And what sort of features should I be looking for? I've no idea where, where to start. That is from Andy in Meanwood. Okay, um, I think it all depends on what you want to do. Um, £180 sounds a bit cheap, but on the other hand, um, if, 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 if it is emails, um, that kind of stuff, then um, the kind of thing I would recommend is something like what's called a Chromebook. Now, the thing... I have one of these. I you can, do? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can I back mean, you up. I mean, a Chromebook is, is, is actually... Um, they use the Google operating system. Um, the slight downside to them is that they really need to be connected to the internet all the time to function properly. Um, but what it does is it basically does everything in the cloud. Uh, mm. We've talked about the cloud on this show before. It's not a cloud. Um, but um, it does everything in the cloud and basically does very little on the machine itself. And therefore, they are very lightweight. They have very little uh, in terms of storage on them, that kind of stuff. And, I'm, and I know you can pick those up for around about £200. Um, so if your needs are very basic and you're not going to be doing stuff that needs high-end software then I, I would recommend something like a Chromebook. Um, I mean, beyond that, if, if, if you want to do anything else um, that's slightly more complicated, I'd say, you know, £250, something like that, you can get a fairly decent machine for these days, providing you're not looking to do things like video editing. Yes, of course. Yeah, the Chromebook thing is interesting. I switched to a Chromebook a few years ago, mm -hmm. and everything, as you say, is done through a, a browser. So you can't put, you can't put uh, Microsoft Word on it, for example. It doesn't have those things it only has programs that exist within the chrome browser and i know immediately you lose a lot of people there mm. but but actually it's 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 extremely quick i mean you switch mm. it on and it's already on yeah that's right and, uh, and all but, of that i mean having said having said that um you can use uh microsoft word and all those kind of things in the cloud in the cloud there are yeah. versions <laughs> of them that you can use online yeah um i tend to use um i mean what because um, the Chromebook is a Google device, they will recommend you use their uh, editing, editing system, so the Google Docs, and I use yes. that, uh, which which sort of replicates everything that Microsoft Office does anyway. It has all the, it has a version of Word, and um, they have versions of Excel and PowerPoint and all these kind of things. I mean, it, it, it and you can download it, and it will let you download files from their system into the Microsoft Office format. Here for Liz Green on the big Yorkshire phone-in this week, and our tech expert John Popham is here. And if you've got any questions at all about tech, about how to use something, a question about a computer or a phone or any sort of techie device, any tech headaches you've got, then put your questions to John on 81333. Just put leads at the start of your message, or you can call 0800 389 3333. John, I wanted to talk to you about live streaming because this is an aspect of the terror attacks in New, Ze uh, in New Zealand that just shocked so many people. So we know 50 people dead, dozens wounded, many of them critical. Uh, a 28-year-old uh, self-described white supremacist charged with murder and one of the most shocking things about this most shocking of stories is that he live streamed what he was doing and that live stream continued for a long time what 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 is your view on live streaming have social media platforms got a handle on how this system can be abused i think well the first thing i should caveat a little bit because live streaming is one of the things i do for a living um and 
obviously I'm not that keen to see things put in in the way of, of, of getting live streams out there but on the other hand and what in this case it was horrendous um, the thing is that I think something can be done about this because the well, governments and the social media companies have been working together to clamp down on ISIS for instance um, and, and they've done something I mean as far as I understand it since for a couple of years now hardly any of the stuff that ISIS have been trying to put out has been getting getting through um, and what they do is they use a mixture of artificial intelligence that can recognize the content as it starts to go out and stop it before it gets out to the world but also uh, what they do is they they do network mapping which is um, you know they they map the sort of networks that these people are involved in and if they're connected to people um, who, who are known to hold uh, extremist views then they can close down their accounts or restrict them in certain ways so the thing is I think it can be done and I think the issue here is that they've been using it for one group of people but they've not been using it for another group of people now uh, this particular guy um, you know a lot of people have said he was a lone wolf and these kind of phrases but the fact was um, in his so-called manifesto that he put out he quoted other people who have committed atrocities um, and I think the fact is that um, it, it should have been possible to map to map what he was doing and look at the kind of things that he was putting out online and to see who he was connected to and, and get to him before he got to this stage and I certainly think uh, governments I mean I don't think you can blame the social media companies entirely on their own I think governments have to work with them to broaden the net of the kind of people they're clamping down in the ways um, they already are because I think the tools are there to 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 do it Mm -hmm. Are you saying, just so I've got it right, so I'm not misreading you, are you saying that you think perhaps the, the social media networks had concentrated uh, a lot on Islamic extremism, but perhaps not on right-wing extremism, as in the, yeah. the case here? Yeah, I think I am. And I think you know the, the fact is that the social media companies will not do it unless they're mandated to by governments. I mean, one of the problems in the New Zealand case was that they didn't close down the live stream until they were told to by the police or requested to by the police um so hang on they knew it was going on but didn't close down well the I, I think that the fact is that um you know i think there has to be a certain amount of authenticity from their point of view in terms of where the complaints are coming from because otherwise you know anybody could put out a live stream and people could complain about it yeah um and i think what they're saying is that, that in this case at least it has to come from the police now in the case of people like isis They've already got systems in place that they know um, when those people start to broadcast things, they will stop it. And I think they have to translate those systems into other groups, uh, like this sort of the white supremacist network, uh, if, if such a thing exists. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, John Popham is here um, talking about a couple of the issues in the news, of course, but mainly here to take your questions. If you've got any questions at all uh, for John, any techie questions, any tech headaches that you've got that you need an answer to, then drop us a message now, 81333, and start your message with the word lead. We've got John for about 10 more minutes, so we might squeeze in. Me tonight on BBC Radio Leeds. John Popham is here on the big Yorkshire phone-in taking your questions about tech. I have this from Mandy, who says, I bought some Bluetooth speakers, cheapo, on an aeroplane. They're okay, but it cuts off the first split second of every song. Can I fix it? It's a tough one, I guess, without well, knowing which the speakers are and all of that. That is a tough one. It's not one I've come, ever come across before. Um, I don't really understand why it would take off one second from every song. That sounds strange. I've, I've, I've experienced this myself, interestingly, oh, okay. where, where you have Bluetooth speakers but and you're playing something, an album or something like that, but every single song starts when the 
just the first bit of the song is slightly clipped off. It sounds to me like it disconnects when there's silence, and if there's a gap between the tracks, it, it probably disconnects and then reconnects when, and it's it's taking a second to reconnect. That's that interesting. Now yeah. I don't know why, and I don't know what you can do to. To, to solve that, but I think I know why it, and I know what's happening. I suspect the clue um, in Mandy's message is the word cheapo. Yes. <laughs> uh, and this is from Anna in Rippenden who says, a techie question. My son has a Chromebook, uh, but it runs unbelievably slowly. It starts up very quickly, but when he's trying to do his homework, he's sitting there waiting for it to do things and gets really frustrated. Could it be an issue with our internet speed rather than the Chromebook itself? It could be. Um... Well, yeah, yes, de- it definitely could be. Depends how old, how old the Chromebook is because, um, I mean, I've got one that's, that's probably about five years old now, and that one is quite slow. Right. So I think certainly the early ones were a bit underpowered. Um, so it could well be that it, it's difficult to tell without seeing it, but it could be the internet speed. Uh, the thing to do is is to run a speed test on your internet. So okay. there are various places. You can just go to our website. Um, I mean, there's one called Speed Test, um, and then there's various other ones you can use. And then you just click a button, and it will measure your internet speed. And, um, you know, so I would do that and see if it's that. If not, then it will be the Chromebook. Okay, so they do slow down, do they, Chromebooks, over if they're getting a few years old or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, there was built-in built obsolescence and everything, particularly in technology these days. So, mm. um, you know, um, so if, yeah, if it is more than sort of three or four years old, it probably would have slowed down by now. And I thought Google were just being nice to us <laughs> by bringing out the Chromebook. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. And we've got through quite a few questions there. Uh, John Popham, our tech expert here on BBC Radio Leeds. We give you a chance to speak to our experts every Tuesday afternoon on the big Yorkshire phone. Nice to see you, John, and we'll see you next time. Okay, thank you. This is Larry Budd. I'm here for Liz Green on the Big Yorkshire phone in this week, and we'll catch.